What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dissect That Film, where we dissect your favorite films, film franchises, and TV. Today on episode 91 of the podcast, we are venturing into the third entry in the Alien franchise, 1992's Alien 3. Here, in a world where the sun burns cold and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come, but not by herself. It started. The suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind? The fear is back. Don't look back, dude! Run as fast as you can! And most of all, the bitch is back. (laughs) Alien 3. I am your host, Brett Parker. Joining me as always, the wonderful Dan and Angel of DNA Gaming. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back as always. You're here every week, but I, I always have to welcome you back. Absolutely. Thank you for agreeing you, to sit down and talk with me again. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you guys excited to talk about Alien 3 and just the yes. absolute chaos that this movie is? And <laughs> mostly what? not just the movie <laughs> itself. But just everything that happened behind the scenes of this movie, because boy, is it exciting to read. So. But you know what? Before we go into all that, though, let's go around the room and talk about our our latest viewing of this movie, what we thought of the movie. And maybe uh, do you remember the first time you ever watched this movie? I know, Angela, I already know your answer because we talked about it in, in the aliens episode, but. Let's uh, let's start with Angela since it since it, yeah it's, it's, since Plus. we know it's her first time around with this one. Yeah. Um. When did we watch this Friday? Yes, Friday. Friday. There you it's go. My first time watching it. Uh. Yeah. Last week. So Last oh week. oh and before we move on, <laughs> we just want to we just want to mention. So Dan and Angela watched the theatrical cut of this movie. Yes. Which uh, some would say is not the most favorable version of this movie, but unfortunately, that's how it had to go. And I watched the assembly cut, which is the two and a half hour version of this movie that was released in 2003. So opinions might be differing because of those reasons, but we're going to tell you what the differences are uh, later. So, Angela, continue. I'm sorry. Um, for the most part, really enjoyed this. Um, really enjoyed this one more than I thought I was going to from what I've heard about it he sold that for me i just can't go ahead. no like i was expecting this to be a like a train wreck from you know just what i've heard people say and i'm like i thought it was pretty good you know, I mean there's there's parts that i could have done without and there was some very very bad cg but yes yes there was <laughs> I en- I enjoyed it for the most part. Enjoyed it. Yeah. It's your oh, turn. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like alarmed. Like, oh shit. I gotta talk about it. Um I went with very low expectations. Very low. Because I've never seen this movie in its entirety. However, 
this is the only alien film I remember seeing parts of in my youth. This is the one I probably prefaced this in the previous alien episodes we talked about. Uh, this is the one I remember. I remember the very end scene, which I don't know if we're going to go into, but swan dive, lava, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> ah, never. Yeah. Funny thing, but we'll get to it when we get to oh, that. Don't, don't hug me. I'm scared. Anyway, um, <laughs> that that's what I remember because I I walked in on, you know, grandmother. She always was big into that kind of stuff, watching that kind of you know movie. I've seen that. And I remember the toys I had, like uh, I had like the, the big face hugger toy. I remember that was one of the worst heartburns I ever remember getting with some Montgomery Ward. And I bought the big queen face hugger toy they had. And I got the worst fucking heartburn I can remember my entire life. I, that, I don't know why. That's why I remember that. But yes, did she? Did, had, she like, did it impregnate you? Is that what the? It maybe it was ironic, no. <laughs> but um, maybe that's what's no, wrong with you. Maybe, but uh, they just. I remember having the toys, and you'd go in the store and buy them. And I remember renting the video game on the Super Nintendo, which I don't recall being good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was like if you want to go to the nostalgic perspective. But growing up, never watched it until recently, and uh, always knew like everybody's like this movie shit. Don't watch it, but. Going with the low expectations that we had, or I had, or we both had, um, I, I rather enjoyed it. Uh, it's very different than, of course, the first two. Um, even uh, it seems to go more toward the a horror element of the original film, mm-hmm. but it's not as it just lacks something, and it's almost this movie's just nihilistic. Like it's just bleak, even more so than the original. But uh, it is. I enjoy it. <clears throat> I just, I obviously not anywhere near as good as the first two. I like the, the, the runner alien, which is the primary alien in the film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not going to go into too much, I suppose, but I, I, I like the practical effects. It had some real dodgy CG, but it was 92 and, uh, it had uh, Roland Timbo. So it's nice to have him in the movie. So technically, so uh, so we're talking about the CG. So technically, this movie didn't have CG. It was all blue screen. It was it was a rod puppet that they filmed on a blue screen, which then they would input into the film. The it literally they did like CG, it. but it was in the assembly cut for only a couple scenes. They might have added oh, some. Oh. There might have been some CG because it was ninety two and CG was a thing. Uh, but it was very new. So like when you say it, like. You know, yeah, it was very just shoddy CG because it was new. They were trying something different. And just this production was a fucking mess. Yeah, well, I mean, it just looked it just it didn't like I've seen blue screen before in a movie and this didn't look like traditional no. blue screen or no, green screen. It looked very uh, messy. It did. It did. But aside from that, dude, and another thing I will say, there's some of the characters that I liked in the movie. I liked the the concept of what they were doing with the film. But man, some of the kills, dude. Some boys get fucked in this movie, oh, yeah. dude. It's like they crank the gore on this. Like, yeah, holy like, shit. Oh, we had to go back and watch when yeah. the dude hit the fucking door frame. I was like, oh shit. I was like, rewind to see that part again. You know, I was <laughs> like, dude, it's it's got some gnarly. It definitely ramps up the kills. It's like That's you want to see the inside there. of this man's head. Oh Jesus. <laughs> but all over there. That being said. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy my experience watching the movie. I like some of the characters from it, some of the actors. Now I know what they went on to after this. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. There's some things I did not like, but I did like the movie. So as I said, I really 
I, I watched the assembly cut, which is the two and a half hour version, which they added the deleted scenes. They, um, I know that they reshot some, they did some CG work in there that they, you know, cause they wanted, they're like, Oh, this can look a lot better now because CG is a little bit more advanced. So, but it's two and a half hours long. Uh, I think that's the only gripe I have about the, uh, the assembly cut, but it felt so much more cohesive than I ever remember watching, you know, when I would watch alien three, I mean, I watched alien three probably for the first time when I was a kid, uh, cause you know, renting all the alien, you know, you see the first one, you got to see all the rest. And by the, yeah, I think yeah, I, I think I was like six or seven when resurrection came out. So by the time I was able to watch them all, you know, they had all four of them out. So I was like, we're just going to rent them all. And so you just binge through all four alien movies. And I just remember this one. I enjoyed it as a kid. And I think I watched it as like a teenager and I was like, boy, this just what is going on here? Like things just didn't make sense. Like it felt like like scenes were like they cut certain scenes that just that didn't add up. And then when they released the assembly cut, which is what I watched and they added those deleted scenes back in, I was like, why did they take these out? This makes the story, you know, smoother. It it like makes more sense. But boy, oh boy, did this movie have a lot of hands in the pot. Because this movie was written at least six different times. And it, it it went in so many different directions. There was literally a script. So the my favorite script I think I read. Well, I didn't read the whole script. But like the idea was is that Hicks was going to be the main character. And they were going to find out that uh, Waylon Yutani was creating pretty much an alien, like a xenomorph army. And okay. Ripley was going to be in a coma. So she wasn't actually going to be. Pre- she wasn't really going to be in the movie. She was going to be like a, a cameo. Um, okay. And then she was going to wake up at the end. And she was going to be very uh, a lot more prominent in the fourth movie. But whew, I guess they didn't like that. They, did, they wanted Ripley to be in the movie more. They didn't like what. So we got this, which has the weirdest like starting point. I've just imagined them doing. And it. No, it's like. And it's very split down the middle because like we'll read people's comments at the end of the show that they left and there are people who actually liked the beginning of this movie and what the direction they went in. But to be honest, I didn't like I I think if if it was like a standalone thing where we didn't have aliens before it, I probably wouldn't have had so much of an issue with it. But the fact that like we have Hicks, who's a great character, I mean, Bishop was he, he was pretty messed up at the end of at that movie. So I, I actually didn't mind what they did with him in this movie. Uh, but like what they did to poor newt, come on. I know dude. It just, I know, it like, was so frustrating. It's not like I'm like, God, this movie sucks. It's just like, I felt like we could have just did like something it. different. Yeah. It, it just seems like they made that movie. And in that time it was six years prior to, and it's like, yeah, you like yeah. that movie? Well, I'm going to kick you in the stomach now. So like, oh, thanks guys. Yeah, and that's the thing is like these these sequels aren't being pumped out like one after like a year apart. Like this was six years. I mean, it was probably started in like 90 or 91 uh, with the script and everything. So you're, but you're still talking like four years between aliens coming out and then coming up with a script for alien three. Yeah. I feel like that's gotta be, I mean, I'm not a screenwriter or anything, but I feel like that's plenty of time to figure it out. But the Brandywine productions, who's been the production company since alien, they just had their hands so deep into you know, in the pool there, they it they were just 
every single time there was something interesting and everybody was on board, it was like, now nah, let's try something different. Let's bring somebody else in to try to write a different to write, you know, see what their idea is going to be. And it's like, oh, they had a director at one point. They then didn't like the direction the movie was going. So at pretty much the last second, they brought in David Fincher. You know, and this is the David Fincher that after this movie came out uh, three years later would put out seven, which is one of the greatest psychological thrillers ever made. He would do uh, Zodiac. He did Fight Club. He did the social network. I mean, this is a this is a an amazing director. And unfortunately, he started off with a bump in the road. But unfortunately, this was something that. I mean, he ended up becoming such a profound director. Um, well, listen, later on in his career. career. Oh no! I mean, after this movie came out, I, I, you know, reading quotes from like James Cameron, who was pretty much like, "This movie is like a slap in the face to Alien fans." You know, the fact because because James Cameron didn't like the whole Hicks and Newt dying in the beginning. Yeah. Um. They actually brought. I mean, the the, the like I said, this the assembly cut or the director's cut, which David Fincher has nothing to do with. So I don't know how you call it a director's cut when the director of the movie (laughs) did nothing. He wanted nothing to do with it. He pretty much disowns this movie. He pretty much, he, he stated no one hates this movie more than me. So fair enough. I mean, well, he, like you said, he was brought in at last minute. He's like, all right, here you go. But that's the thing that's disappointing is that if you need a director's cut of a movie to make it better, or if you need a cut of a movie, to make it better that has nothing to do with the original like director. Uh, that's, there's a problem there. You know that there was a major issue with the original version. This movie had a budget of between 50 and $60 million. It only grossed 159.8. I, I say only, which it's still a good chunk of change. And I think most of it is because it's an alien movie. Yep. It's just like any, I mean, look at the transformers movies through the years. Those movies were making billions of dollars because it was, well, it's a Transformers movie. Maybe this one will be okay. And you go watch it and it's not. (laughs) So fair enough. But you know what? I really, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. I love the, you know, the rod puppet effects. It was very jarring. But boy, anytime they had a man in the suit alien, it fucking looks so good. It looks great. And the funny thing is, what did I what did I see here? That I think it was they were originally going to bring Stan Winston back to do the effects. Stan Winston couldn't do it, so they brought in Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis, who okay. run the company Amalgamated Dynamics, which is now a pretty big um, visual effects company. And I've Tom, heard of them, yeah. Tom Woodruff Jr. is the one who's actually in the suit. Oh, is he? Yeah. So anytime you see the alien, like physical alien, it's him in the alien suit. And it looks really good. And it's really cool. Oh, it does. See. Yeah, it looks so good. All the practical effects, I thought, look, well, I mean, well, all of them that I can think of, I thought looked really good. Yeah. And as weird as the story is, I thought it was pretty solid. You know, the, you know, Ripley being stranded on this prison planet and have, and then of course, an alien, you know, catching catching a ride and causing havoc. I thought it was a pretty solid idea, but I really, man, reading some of these other scripts for what this could have been, it could have been so much better. And I feel we could have gotten a better fourth alien. 
but because of the way this movie came out, we got Alien Resurrection, which well, I have not seen in probably 20 years. So it's like, was do I remember it being good? What like it's going to be interesting to talk about that one next week. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. I've seen bits and pieces of that. But that's been a long, long time. But there's a lot of shots where the where the alien, uh, which is uh, which in this movie runs on all fours mm-hmm. a lot. That was actually mm-hmm. David Fincher's um, idea to, to have it look like that. And uh, it was a rod puppet. So it's literally kind of like similar to stop motion, but it's not stop motion where it's literally an alien that's made out of rods. I mean, it's self-explanatory here and they would literally put it. They would literally do the motions against a blue screen and they would film those things and then they just kind of put it in. But the problem was is they didn't really they didn't really smooth everything out so that like, yeah, you can see blended well. No, <laughs> you could tell it was like copy and paste for a lot of things. <laughs> what do you it's, mean this isn't a PNG file? It's not oh, a PNG. So goofy looking. Like a quarter around it. Like, <laughs> like when it runs. <laughs> God, it's, I, and I, I appreciate them going, you know what, for some of the shots where it's running at somebody, we're just going to put it in first person mode. <laughs> so how can you see it? Good yeah, call. Great call because, oh man, every time they'd zoom out and they'd show that rod puppy, you're like, oh no. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's on the ceiling. What <laughs> is that on the ceiling? What am I supposed to be afraid of here? What is happening? Holy crap. So, like we said earlier, uh, this was directed by David Fitcher. This was his directorial debut. He was mostly known as a music video director. Shocking, as most big-time directors are. That's how a lot of them start out. Uh, the screenplay was done by David Geiler and Walter Hill. That was the that, Those were the two who wrote this version of the movie. Um, the story was done by Vincent Ward, who was actually the original director of this movie. Sweet. Yeah. Of course... We have Sigourney Weaver back as uh, Ripley. We have Charles S. Dutton. And the only movie I can think of that I've seen this man in was Rudy, which I think came out a couple years before this. You remember Rudy? Yeah. With Sean Astin? Well, uh, actually, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I thought it was interesting to see that uh, Sigourney Weaver was an executive producer. I mean, uh, to be honest, it's not shocking. This is a third. It's I'm, the third movie in a franchise, and She's kind of the face of it, so she probably I'm not I'm I I can't assume exactly what her role was, but I can guarantee she didn't have to do much of anything other than she probably gave some ideas and they're like, thank you for the input, Miss Weaver. And that's it, (laughs) because that's what an executive producer. That's what an executive producer pretty much is. They're an idea person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charles Dance, he's back. He's the yes. first movie that we have talked about Charles Dance since our third ever episode of this show where we talked about Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yep. Well, this is this is early That's stuff, great. you know. This is like He's, he was good. Still I liked him. Still a smooth, you know, young man. <laughs> not a not Charles Dance from Oh wait. Wait, I lied. We talked about Charles Dance in the 2016 Ghostbusters because he's in that as the the dean of the college that Kristen Wake works at. God damn it. Oh, yes. Fuck. <laughs> so this is our third go round with Charles that. Dance. Yeah. <laughs> Just ignore that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lance Henderson's back for t- 12 seconds. <laughs> well, twice. Yes, as two different characters. Yep. yep. 
Uh, Brian Glover is Andrews, who is kind of like the warden. Uh, we have Ralph Brown as uh, Aaron or his nickname, 85, which I like yes. the whole origin behind his 85. nickname there. Uh, no, that's good. It, so it's really it, unceremonious, too. Yeah. It's just like, why is it? Okay, I'll, we'll get to that later. I have not seen the theatrical cut in a long time, so you'll have to tell me. Uh, so Paul McGann plays Gallic, who's kind of the wacko. He's very prominent in the assembly cut. Like he is a big deal in the assembly cut. I don't remember if he, I mean, I've seen other, like, uh, as you can see, I'm wearing my hack the movie shirt today because um, he's covered this movie a lot. So I had to, you know, show my support. But also, I believe he said that in the theatrical cut, Gallic wasn't a very prominent character in the theatrical cut, but more in the assembly he, cut. He's got some significance to him, but you'll it's okay. not nearly as much. We we'll have, talk about later. We have David uh, Danny Webb as Morse, who surprisingly makes it through this whole movie. Who is this guy? <laughs> Up until the end? Oh, um, yeah, uh, Morse, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know! Right? What the of fuck, all the dude? people like, to survive, it was people. this guy. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Pete Postlewaite as David Postlewaite. What? Yes! I seen that. I was like, he's the same guy with a different name? What okay. the fuck? <laughs> they just, <laughs> there's like, oh, we're gonna keep his first name. No, they kept his last name. <laughs> Well, admittedly, Good with this them. being generally is you said these have all been British productions, correct? All the alien movies. Right? Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much been I'm, very similar crew since the original. Well, I mean, they don't have to fucking worry about how everybody talks because everybody's everybody's British, British but Ripley in this movie. Oh, and Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, yeah. But look, there's like three different people that have that share. Peter, Pete. Yeah, yeah Clive. Yeah. Um. Fine. So uh, Tom Woodruff Jr., as we stated before, plays the alien in this movie in this physical, like when it's not visual effects or as it's known by Gallic, the dragon, yep. which is really cool. Uh, Holt McCallie as Jr. Um, Peter Guinness as Peter <laughs> Rigor. I don't remember half these. Uh, Danielle Edmond played new in this movie, you know, her her corpse. Because uh, yeah. Carrie Henn, who was new in Aliens, couldn't uh, wasn't able to reprise her role, and she was too old. Since it does, yeah. this is six years later. Well, admittedly, like most of these dudes are like fodder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess the final one would be Christopher Fairbank who plays Murphy. Uh, I only mention him because he is pretty like his one of his death is pretty major in this movie. And uh, Michael Bean. As a picture, <laughs> yes, he and he is, got paid a... for it. Fuck, he yes. got paid for because he was pissed they didn't bring him back. Well, originally, I guess he was told he was going to come back, and then they were like, "Yeah, we're going to kill you off and uh, and use just a picture." And he's like, "Well, you better fucking pay me for it." Yeah, he was good call, so dude. he was so mad, dude. He bashed, pissed too. He he bashed this movie so hard when it came out, but it's understandable. There's actually like an almost three hour long documentary about the uh, the complete chaos and all the issues from this movie, like the making of it. I can't remember I've, what I've it's called, several. but um, I've watched several shows on it. But it not was that it was a studio created documentary, too, which is crazy. Like the studio was like, yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> well, here you go, guys. Also, if you want to read one of the original scripts that was written for this movie, which uh, I think the most f more famous one is William Gibson's script. There's actually a book 
they took the the, the original script and wrote a book on it, and they uh, made comic books on it. So, if you want to read the original one of the original scripts for this, go for it. Gophers, go for it. I'm sorry, go for it. Connect four. So yeah, I think that's that's enough of the behind the scenes of this interesting yeah. movie. I do love the uh, the original poster for this movie where it's like three times the suspense, three times the danger, three times the terror. Alien, what? So uh, it's it, what is it? Alien, not cubed. What is what's the three? It's cubed. It's yeah, cubed. Alien. So yeah, it's cubed. <laughs> alien cubed. No, it's alien three. But I love that at the three is so small. Just people just call it alien cubed. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Or they should just call it aliens. Is what I call it. Aliens with two s's. Yeah, no, three please. s's because it has to be. Yes, yes that would be oh, great. Absolutely. And we're back. And I like that we're back to the green color. Like you know, the, the original alien had the green color on the poster. Then aliens was blue. And now that it's called Alien again, it's back to the green. Yes, oh, thank there's you. A Actually, like the there. original poster. To be lot. honest, I really, I kind of like the Alien Three poster. It's very simple. Yeah, I like the. It's the same on the VHS. The old VHS slipcover was the yeah. same. I remember I rented that one quite a bit. All right, I just remember seeing it with my eyeballs when I was a kid. Let's I acknowledge you. Let's start this plot. So the movie this is going to be interesting for both of us. Yes, very us. much. So this movie groups. opens up to space because if you're watching an alien movie, it's going to open up to space. <laughs> and it's like alien cubed. I mean, three. Um, Here's some people in this show. As the credits are playing, we see the Sulaco. And we see Ripley, Newt, and <gasps> there's an egg on board. Oh, oh, no. And it's open. That happen? There's a face hugger. And it shows, and as it, it's, and this reminds me of the credits in the remake of Friday the 13th, because it's like, show something credits, show something credits, show something. You're like, ah, yep. just show me. A face hugger is on one of them. You don't know who, but it shows it on like the computer screen that there is a face hugger on one of the, somebody in the containment. Like an x ray. Yep. You can see like, uh, bad things are happening, oh, and then a fire starts. It's focusing a lot on Newt, by the yes, way. Yes, yes. They're like, we want to make sure you know this girl's gonna die. Yes. <laughs> and there's a fire! No! And Ripley gets sent down to, like, another chamber because I guess it must read that she's, like, the only one to survive, but all of them do. Yeah, but that's weird because it only shows her pod going down. I thought it showed all of them. Did it? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I don't know. Maybe it was a pain. This is dumb. It's not important. So, anyway, so uh, the, the the thing gets cut. The um the face hugger gets cut by like the glass of one of the containers that goes through and it burns the side of. Oh, okay, that's where that mark. Yeah, that's what the, yeah, and then the fire on the it melts through and causes the electrical fire. Right. Yep. 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 So Ripley and the rest of the crew, I guess, uh, they they get like detached from the Sulaco. In like a puzzle piece, it's it's literally just a piece of the ship that just pops out, and then it falls onto uh, a planet, and you Here find out this is. Fuck! I ruined it. What is it? What did you ruin? The name of the planet? Oh no! I, I'm glad you know it because I completely forgot. I just know it's a prison planet. It's Fury One Six One. Yep. Oh, can I point something else out? Yep. 
No, we'll do it at the end. Remind me to talk about Metroid at the end because there's a correlation I forgot to make in the last episode we did on Aliens. Good. Okay. So Charles Dance is wandering outside and he notices that there is something out on the beach. So he goes and he discovers a very charred looking Ripley just sprawled out on the beach and he picks her up and he carries her inside. It's entirely different. <laughs> this is all different. Okay, tell, us, know, tell me what happens. Right? So like I don't remember this. The plant the thing like comes in like the capsules like, woo, like shooting star, right? And it lands in the water. The whole chunk of the thing lands in the water. The, the yeah. jettison, the part of the ship jettison. Yeah. And one of the bros that's on the like that is on the colony go out there and like they start they check it out, right? One just one guy goes in, it's from the back of the, the containment unit out, and you see one of the guys coming in. And he's what is it? And he's like there's three, maybe four people in here. And then they're all looking around. And they're like, oh, it's like the whole block. He goes out and like, oh, one of them's still alive. And you can see like, you see like Newt dead in the container. And then you see like, like Hicks from like, just down. Of course. <laughs> and of then course. You, Can't pay him any more. There he did. You see Bishop. And then they talk about getting her like, you got to hurry up. It's fixing to be 30 below. And then like they get her out and then it cuts. So they take Ripley out of the ship itself. Yeah, yeah, she's still in the pod, partially in the pod. Uh, she, yeah. She's just laying on the beach. She's just laying there, just body. Okay. There's, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and Charles Dance, and Charles Dance, yeah, sees her and get, brings her yeah. inside, and then yeah, he Charles sends Dance, any of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Holy none of shit! It. So, uh, the others are. Uh, he goes back in. He sends others out to find more on the beach. They find the ship. Uh, Ripley's getting cleaned up. And they, while they're exploring the ship, they find a dead Hicks. Uh, I guess an unrecognizable Newt, even though I think Hicks is the one who's unrecognizable because he had a beam fucking go yes. through his face. Yeah. Um, and Newt, I guess she drowned in her pod. Yeah, the cryo tube, yeah. And then they find uh, Bishop in the bag, in the plastic bag. Like, we found a bag! It's got a face! <laughs> It's Ziploc. The seal's still good. Oh, he, oh don't open it, though, guys. It fucking reeks. Yeah, please, Damn. Refrigerator's been off for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we then see that the uh, the prison planet has no women. It's all men. And uh, they've all, most of them not. Uh, yeah, most of them are very religious. They're having like yeah, a prayer figured. circle. It's not a circle jerk. It's a prayer circle. Yes. Entirely different. Though they all have taken a vow of celibacy, yes. even against even for women. Yes, now, and they, states that very. Specifically. Oh, he fucking yells it. He's like, we t- uh, I took a vow of celibacy," and they're like, "We we know, but relax, Just fucking Jesus, don't celebrate it, dude. It's fine. <laughs> Jesus, we we all know we were here. We all jerk off the same. We got it. <laughs> we know. Oh, so the warden tells them about Ripley and uh, the crew's situation. Pretty much saying, you know, that Ripley was found alive. She's a woman. They're like, wow! It's gonna gonna taint the sanctity! (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Oh, Lord. We don't uh, have any tampons here! They're like, get her out of here! And it's like, where the fuck are we supposed to take her? Push her outside. (laughs) Take her? Just says, by the front of the gate of the prison, just says, no girls allowed. Yeah. So they're like, oh, don't worry, Waylon Utani's coming, so she will, she won't be here very long. Uh, you meet Clemens, who is played by Charles Dance. He's the mm-hmm. medical officer. 
he tends to her and tells her about her, uh, her crew. Of course, at first I was like, man, she doesn't seem very emotional, but being told that Newt's dead. And then she asks if she can go see um, the ship. And uh, this is where she gets out of the bed and she's naked. And she's like, well, I'm going to go out there. Like, you going to, uh, you know, am I going to just go out there naked or are you going to give me clothes? He's like, I really <laughs> suggest you wear clothes. Because there's all very horny men out there. No. So she finds out just the severity of everything. She finds out that Hicks got fucked. Yeah. Like, yeah, beam went through his face and like, yeah, he, he, he probably didn't feel a thing. Uh, they tell her that Bishop got thrown kind of in the trash. Yeah. Like he's non-operational. Yeah. Much. We figured like salvageable. he's not going to work. And that new, uh, they, she pretty much was, she drowned in her pod. But Ripley is very skeptical about this. She's like, I need to see her body. While she's exploring the ship, she realizes something. She sees the burn mark on the side of one of the pods. And so she notices that there's a burn mark on one of the side on the side of one of the pods. So she gets suspicious. She's like, I need to see the body. And he's like, okay. So she goes to see Newt. This is where she gets really emotional. But then she starts to like study the body. She's like feeling it around and stuff. And they're like, what the hell is she doing? Yeah. And Clemens comes over. He's like, hey, what's up? She's like, uh, yeah, so you need to do an autopsy on her. And he's like, but she drowned. She's like, I don't think so. She has a possible case of cholera. And he's like, oh, Okay. And it hasn't been a case of cholera in like 200 years. Yep. yep. <clears throat> She's like, well, you know, can't be too sure. So he does the autopsy and it's a tough one, man. Cause like you're so attached to new in the prior movie. And now you're literally watching a scene where they're just cutting her open and like cracking. Like you don't see it, which yeah, is, which all. is good. It's all kind of just the, but it's the sounds, man. It's just, yeah. You can hear the cracking of the ribs and shit. Oh man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's nothing. All they, he finds is there's liquid, there's fluid in the lungs, which indicates drowning. There's nothing there. And mm-hmm. the superintendent or the warden Andrews is pissed. He's like, what the yeah. fuck is she doing out? And what the hell are you doing? He's like, I just had to make sure we weren't going to spread disease in this place. So, and then Ripley after that, it's like the bodies need to be cremated. And, but she doesn't really tell him why she's like, just in case there is a disease, we just want to make sure they're, you know, we, nothing can happen. Yeah. And Clemens kind of goes along with it. Like reinforces her statement. Yep. And Andrews is pretty much, listen, all the men in this prison are bad people. They are murderers, rapists, you know, they thieves. They're just, they're the worst of the worst. Even though you, I mean, yeah, these guys are, these guys, there's not a lot of likable characters in this movie, let's say, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Some of them you don't kind of read as like, oh no, this guy is like super bad. Never know about a person. That's very true. So here is a scene I know is different from our, from both versions. So the next scene is a dead ox is brought in. And uh, there's a lot of locker room talk between two of the characters that one of them's name is Frank. I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, and they're talking about Ripley. They're talking about every uh, about the situation and everything. And 
they unload this ox because there's actually I don't know if you guys got the scene where they actually when they go to the ship they actually have like there's like four oxes that are attached to the ship to drag it out of the water Mm-mm. nope okay that's probably why this scene is included in my version so they Makes take sense. the ox off of the cart and as they are done with their conversation one of the guys notices like he picks up a face hugger off of the car a dead face hugger off the cart. it's like hey what do I do with this and then it moves on to the next scene <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I, I've seen a screen cap of the scene you're talking about where he's holding the face hugger when we get to the scene uh, specifically then we'll talk about the major difference um, from the well actually no we can talk about it so in your version right it's a dog right that gets yes. attacked by the face hugger mm-hmm. yes not in my version at all there is no dog in my version yeah because it's um it's the one dude just i don't know if we're to it yet do you get the scene of the guy cleaning the exhaust system yes that's murph okay. that's it's murphy that yeah murph it's that dude's dog yes so which is weird <laughs> okay we'll, we get to that we'll talk a, a little bit more so they go to cremate the bodies and it just to and as the cremation scene is happening as they're like dropping him into the furnace or the the fiery pit of hell um something is happening with the ox like it starts to move on its own and something's happening and as the 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 bodies hit the fire a a xenomorph pops out of the ox which in your version it's a dog <laughs> the dog is yes. the one that gets the the alien inside that and then it's hard to watch too yeah and that dude that dog fucking gushes dude it's yeah just... it takes forever the dog is making horrible noises yeah nobody's around nobody's the dog because they're all at the funeral thing yep and yeah which i mean it's it's i mean i i recommend going just watching the scene with the ox because the ox is terrifying it's they hang it by its back legs like you would a cow at a, like a slaughterhouse because because yeah. at, at one point the guy's like yeah we're just gonna butcher it up and probably serve it in a stew for the next meal or something like that yeah. so you know they they do that but it like bursts out of the the ox and it lands on the ground now in your version it's a rod puppet s- spot right when the xenomorph pops out and it runs down that hallway it's that really uh, yeah. it's yeah. a very the off-putting rod puppet effect yeah in mine it's cg <clears throat> And it actually is pretty decent. So this was a scene that was reshot in CG in 2000 for the 2003 version specifically. It was not filmed. It was completely done in 2003. It's the same scene from the original version, but they they made the it just looked better because originally they were Fincher actually wanted to do put a xenomorph costume on a dog on a greyhound. And then try to get it, but he couldn't they couldn't get the dog to like move right to make it not look super goofy there is there you can go on youtube and find this because they did film it like they, it's like a behind the scene thing oh it's God. hilarious <laughs> i just makes you think of attack of the killer shrews like where it's just like fuzzy costumes on dogs this is or the, or the cats try and put spider costumes yeah on the dog yeah it's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> it's, well, but it's so but goofy the, the xenomorph i don't know how it is in your version but the xenomorph in this version comes out much more mature yes it comes out like pretty pretty formed because it literally gets up in its legs it already got pretty long legs and it like runs off yeah Yeah. like on all fours so yeah yeah that's a major difference yeah 
Ripley gets her head shaved and she actually looks damn good. So Ripley has had many different um, hairstyles. I, every movie is a different hairstyle. You have the original 70s, like that poofy, you know, look, which I think is her best look. And then in the second one is like that short, you know, the short look where it looked like she cut her own hair. And then this one, she shaved her head. And, you know, I'm, you know, women with shaved heads is a, a good look. What is into? I don't mind it. My wife threatened my wife threatened me that she would shave her head before, and I was like, okay. I don't, do I was I supposed to? Is supposed, I to be a, that is supposed to be a turn off or something? I don't know. I do. You coward. What's the matter? No balls. <laughs> just, oh boy. So just a joke. You have to listen to me complain because I did it. I don't. No, I'm not talking about. It's just a. I don't care if you did. I tell you, if you're more comfortable, cut the shit off. <laughs> I do. So I shave my head. I don't want the fool with it. Nah, I'm growing up. I'm gonna. I'm at in a couple months. It's just gonna be me hosting the show, and people are like, "Is there something wrong with him? Is he all right?" It's just gonna be hair like him. Grizzly Adams. Yeah. Over there. Like, yeah I'm gonna reenact that fucking. I told you from last episode. I'm gonna react. Uh, reenact that um, Robert Redford being. Yeah, absolutely. On the, in the woods. What's the one from Adams? Was it cousin It? Yes. Is that the one that's all hair? Cousin yeah. It. Carry on. So the men are in the mess hall. They're eating their food and uh, (laughs) fucking garlic, man. This dude gets dumped on so hard. There's literally two guys that are sitting at the same table as him and they're just talking shit about him. They're just like fucking guys, a weirdo. I don't want to work with him, blah, blah, blah. And then um, Dylan played by Charles Dutton comes over and he's just like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? He's like, garlic. I don't want to work with garlic. He's a weirdo. He's a, he smells bad. I don't want to work with him. And garlic's just sitting there with his food like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Looks so sad. Oh no. Poor poor God. And um but then but Dylan's just like, nah, you're working with him. I don't care how you feel about it. Deal with it. <laughs> oh shit. So yeah. it's I I found it pretty amusing. So that wasn't in our version, by the way. Oh, okay. Ripley then shows up to the mess hall and everybody's like, Ooh, what is she doing here? Blah. And she pretty much is a she's a badass. She Dylan, her and Dylan kind of have like their own little back and forth. You know, she says some things and she's like, all right, I'm not afraid. So (laughs) I as you as you know, um, I fought a bunch of aliens and they were terrifying, way more terrifying than you. So, yep, it's a good moment. I like that scene is very, very good. Clemens tells Ripley the history of the prison. And the whole Dylan story pretty much about Dylan is the one who created like he's the one who started the whole religion, religious movement of the prison. And he's kind of an unspoken leader of the place. Like everybody listens to him. Mm-hmm. And um, Ripley is just horny as fuck. She wants the D bad. Oh, she wants cool. Clemens D way too much cryo time. Holy Not shit. D time. And uh, we then get the scene where what? Murphy. <laughs> you got a moment, dear. What she's like? I don't blame her. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, here's the thing: like, you know that she was gonna get with with Hicks if there oh, was yeah. a different situation. Unfortunately, she's not into the uh, fucking headless guys. So, well, admittedly, this <laughs> is not a drastically different situation, and she still had time to squeeze this one in. Oh boy. So. We get the scene where Murphy, who we find out later after his death, is cleaning a massive vent or a massive 
there's a fan at the end of this place. Uh, what is what is this? Is this a vent? Yeah, it's like a, it's like an exhaust vent. Exhaust vent. Like, yeah, okay. Probably something to do with their, you know, like I said, their HVAC system or their uh, circular, not HVAC, because they said they don't have heat or anything like that. Just yeah. probably to circulate air to keep it from getting stagnant. Okay. I'm so, assuming. So he's cleaning, singing a song, and he hears something going on in one of like the, there's like a, a tunnel off of it, and he hears noises. And this is where he whistles for the dog, which in my version does not exist, but in the, in this version, he does whistle for the dog and he says its name, which I don't remember what the name was. Uh, and then, yeah, this is where you see the xenomorph kind of curled up in there and it attacks it. Well, it, it, it spits, it spits acid at yep. him, which is, yep. I think yep. the first time you see a xenomorph spitting acid Yep. and it like knocks him off. And then it, he falls into the fan and gets just absolutely destroyed. Does, does, does in your version does, Murphy find the alien foreskin. Yes, he picks it up and he's like, "What is that?" Yeah, I was waiting for him to like put it on his face. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) "Clarice, hello, Hello, Clarice." (laughs) Oh Lord! So (laughs) you find out that Ripley and Clemens—they did the deed. You don't—you didn't see anything, but. Uh, you know that it happened and uh, Clemens doesn't look like he's very satisfied. I'm like, dude, you haven't had sex in how long? And like, I feel like you should be a little bit more satisfied. Probably lasted a whole 10 seconds uh, with how long, you know, it's been. He's probably like, "Mm, that was a little overhyped. I'm going to go back to anal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Oh, but Clemens wants some answers. And uh, then he gets a call that Murphy has been diced up. And so he's like, well, I got to go. And Murphy is everywhere. This is this. (laughs) This reminds me of the scene from the Lost World where they go out of the ship (laughs) that crashes into San Diego. And they're like, where's the crew? Well, there's one there. I want a piece of them over there. (laughs) Yeah. So it, was, really, it was a good kill too. Like when you actually see it, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's pretty violence. gnarly. It's like yeah. shit just goes everywhere. Clemens is the one who identifies him as Murphy because it, well, that's Murphy's boot. You're like, oh, okay. One plus one. Yep. And this is when Clemens discovers the melted metal, and he's yeah. like, "Hmm, that's weird. This is very suspicious." Also. Uh, it's weird that the fan was blowing, so it was like the the air was being pushed out. Like how he wouldn't have gotten sucked into it, so something must have pushed him. That's kind of yeah, the whole, exactly the idea behind it. Yeah, because that's what the um, the warden was hypothesizing. Oh, I must have just got pulled in. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, and eighty five, of course, chipping in on that. So Ripley goes back to the ship to get the flight recorder because she's trying to she's just trying to figure out if there's any way an alien got on the ship. So she needs to find Bishop. She's told where Bishop is. And then we cut to Gallic. Um, we get the scene where Gallic is with those other two guys who didn't want to work with him, and they're walking through the thing and he's like, man, it sucks for it sucks for Murphy. I'm going to pray for him extra hard because uh, he actually didn't. <laughs> he never complained about me. He pretty much thrown yeah. it in their face like he liked working with me, you dicks. Because they're like lighting candles down there, right? Yes. Did they explain what for? I think uh, just so they could see, I guess, because they don't really have. 
I don't fucking know. They don't have a lot on this place, so. No, no, that's true. You're not wrong. Maybe it's a way to like help them, like because they're exploring these vast tunnel systems. Maybe there's a way to help. It's kind of like a breadcrumb thing. Yeah, it could be it. Yeah. So Clemens meets with Andrews, and boy, does he get reamed out because he pretty much gets blackmailed. He's like, if you, if you don't start doing the things I want you to do, I'm gonna tell your little girlfriend why you're here. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> I love when they have the conversation and then Clemens just goes, can I go now? I'm really not having a good time talking to you. Yeah, yeah right. I really don't like you right now. Uh, but he's told that Ripley is a major asset to Waylon Utani, but not told why. And uh, pretty much is. Well, no, he's tasked. He's like, I need you to figure out why Waylon Utani wants her so bad. Because at first he's like, I don't want to do it. And he's like, well, I'll just tell her about you. Yeah, because he said they got a high priority transmission. He said this place has never got a high priority transmission. Yeah. So Ripley goes in search of Bishop and she finds him because his arm's just like, I'm over here. I was like, I was like, dude, she walks up to him. She's like, she's going to give him a high five. She's going to give him a high five. I wish that would have been so great. (laughs) Sick. That would have been great. So he's. so they so she gets him, but then she's trying to get out, and then all the horny prisoners come and they try to do something really bad to her. Yeah, and that's uh, terrible, yeah, it's awful. Uh, so the guy, the main guy who was about to do the bad thing to Ripley, um, he was in my. I think he was the guy who was in Mine Hunters. Did you ever see that show on Netflix? It's really good. It's based on a true story. He's been in other things um, recently, but uh, I was like, man, that guy looks really familiar. I think his name is. Uh, I think he is Peter Guinness. Nope. Nope. Not, not who I'm thinking of. Oh, I think junior Holt McMechelani. Uh, he was in fight club. He was in, like I said, he was in Mindhunter. He was in Jack Reacher. He just looked familiar to me. Nothing important. Okay. Uh, where am I now? Oh yeah. And Dylan comes in and, has to re-educate the brothers. Yeah, it's always such a good scene. It's just whooping ass. Yeah, dude. with that pipe. And like, there's that a point where he like is beating the shit out of him, and there's like a piece of meat on the pipe. I'm like, is that from one of the guys he was beating on? Damn. But then re-educate. Yeah, and Ripley gets a punch in too. Hell yeah, she does. Fuck those guys. So Gallic and those two crew guys, they investigate some of the massive tunnels. And they see and hear some very unusual noises. So one of them gets the Xeno surprise, which is the kind of like the hug me, please. He gets attacked, which I love these attack scenes because it's not one of those like quick like attack and then it's like nothing. It's like the other guy, Gallic walks into the guy being attacked on the ground. Like you could see the Xenomorph's tail flopping everywhere and it's yeah. like eating it, like attacking him on the ground. And then it runs off. Or he runs away, and then the xenomorph drops down on the other guy, and this is when Gallic gets covered in blood. Yeah, I do. I was like, "What the fuck?" I yeah, was like, that was like the first. I mean, outside the fan scene, I knew yeah. the fan scene was gonna be crazy. That but was cr- that was crazy. Like, when it came to this, the xenomorph just killing people, I was like, "Wow, that's like fucking really violent." And this <laughs> is the he's just like, yeah, he's just like, <laughs> "What <laughs> the?" F- <laughs> and this is when the xenomorph looks really good because it's the practical suit. Mm-hmm. Love it. Ripley then plugs in Bishop 
And I love that the thing is like, hey, Bishop, how are you? And he's like, my legs hurt. Yeah. yeah. Like, what legs? <laughs> so good. He like, that sense of humor. He's like, oh, I like your haircut. I love how he's, yeah. he's still trying to be so nice to her, even though he's just yeah. a torso, like the barely a torso and a head. I'm a stomach and a leg. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> sorry, I'm referencing something else. I'm sorry. I didn't even think of that until you just said that shit. So after that, it cuts to Gallic in the mess hall. He's like eating cereal or something. And the, the cook comes out and notices he's there and must call somebody to, to come get him. Uh, Bishop tells Ripley that an alien was on board since the beginning. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Oh, the cereal scene doesn't happen in our cut. Him eating, being in the breakfast hall, yeah. eating cereal. Yeah, no, I don't think that. it needed to be in in the scene either. I don't think it needed to be in it because it literally shows him eating. And then, then after you get more of Bishop saying things, it cuts back and they come back into the mess hall and, and kind of take Gallic away. Yeah. None of that's there. I didn't do. Go ahead. So, yeah, he tells her that the alien has been on board since the beginning. And tells her everything that happened and but doesn't tell her like he doesn't know like the full story. He just tells her just the basics. Gallic is taken to the infirmary and he's just raving about a dragon. I saw yeah, a dragon. It just, it just cuts to that. He's like covered in blood, which is fine. I think that I, those added two scenes did not need to be in it, but whatever. Uh, Bishop tells Ripley to destroy him. I love the fact where like she she talks about the fact of, like, oh, we could we could always try to put you back together. And he's like, no, nah, there's nothing left for me. Just put me out of my misery. Yeah. And uh, Ripley is then back in the mess hall and she wants to talk to Gala because she can hear him talking about the dragon. And then she comes out. She kind of like comes out of the curtain. She's like, he's telling the truth. And you're like, where the fuck you come from, lady? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. She is a witch. <laughs> <laughs> she's raving about dragons and shit. How do you know she's a witch? Well, she looks like one. <laughs> Andrews is not about it. He's like, I, I don't care what the hell you're saying. You're crazy. He's crazy. Why would we believe anything? Yeah, Gallic killed him. Fuck it. Yep. That's They're literally like that was the story. So <clears throat> Ripley tells Andrews the entire story of pretty much her entire story from Alien and Aliens to try to get to try to convince him he's really still not believing it. Uh, she asks about weapons. He's like, "We're a prison. Why the hell would we have weapons?" Yeah, like he's got. He sends mentions like I think what a few shovels and maybe a few axes. That's yeah. About it. And she's like, well, we're f- uh, we're fucked. And he's like, no, you're fucked. And it's like, nope, you're still fucked. <laughs> you're yeah, here like, still. Is this? is this like child? Like, is this like kindergarten? Like uh, insults? <laughs> like, no, you are like, OK, no, you are. You. But what am I? What am I? Yeah, see, dead is what you fucking are. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're, all, uh, you're all fixing to get shat upon. So Ripley is confined to the infirmary. Uh, then Clemens pays her a visit to tell her that someone is coming for her, uh, that she's very important. Gallic then goes on another rant and Clemens then tells her the reason that he's there. So he was, he was on the verge of becoming a big shot doctor, but he got, he worked like a 32 hour shift. I think he said, 
and he got really drunk during the shift, like during the break and like got called back in while he was drunk. And then like it was a, a fire or an explosion or something where there was a lot of casualties, but there was also a lot of wounded and more people died because he prescribed them the wrong medication. I was like, and they sent you here. Like, I understand that's bad, but you're going to be put in the same prison as like a, a rapist or a murderer. I mean, I guess you could be considered a murderer in that case. I don't know. Yeah. The justice system is so fucking crazy. So yeah. And, he, yeah. and then after that heartfelt, you know, conversation and him telling him the reason why he's there the xenomorphs like surprise i'm gonna kill one of the best characters in this movie and they're like no not clemens well he mentioned clemens mentions like he was he was given the opportunity to leave but he stayed when they decommissioned the place because a bunch of the guys were still here 25 of them yeah and he said he decided to stay because nobody else he said nobody else is gonna give him work yeah yeah at least he could be a doctor there we ain't gonna be nothing no more because that xenomorph gave him a hug with a wrapped him in the curtain and just the time to get blasted that tongue mouth to the tongue mouth to the forehead. Oh, bye, Clemens. No lobotomy. And this is quite literally. This is where we get the very infamous scene. Well, not infamous, the very famous scene of Ripley kind of cowering up against the wall, and the xenomorph gets really close to her face in like puts out the tongue but doesn't kill her and you're like why does it not kill her like you need to take a shower again <laughs> and it just takes clemens's body up into the ceiling did you notice that it takes his body up there yeah because it drags him off yeah it leaves uh what's this nuts oh gallic gallic still in the it's, bed he's like ah fuck he's like it's beautiful the dragon. it's beautiful so a meeting is being held about Murphy. Like they're they're doing that thing again where they're meeting in the mess hall and they're talking about the events of the day and the warden is talking about uh, the incident with Murphy and pretty much putting it on Gallic that he's the 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 culprit behind it. And uh, uh, Dylan doesn't want him to do that. He's like, don't put him on this because he's never lied to me before. Yep. yep. That was in the infirmary. He was talking about that. Yep. And Ripley is bolting down to the mess hall to try to alert everybody before, you know, because the xenomorph runs through the sea. Yeah, she's like, well, I'm running into the walls because that's how you like when you're running towards something, you're always running into walls. Did you know that? It's not like it's not like run forward as fast as you can. It's like, no, it's like, like, oh, oh, oh." it's like you're on one of those boards that just keeps tilting. Why is it doing this? (laughs) And. Right as Ripley comes into the room to alert Andrews, Andrews gets fucking yoinked. Oh shit! <laughs> Bye. And just blood showers down. Bye, I, like this, I like the scene after this. But. So the men need to figure out who's in charge. Who did that? And how are they going to stop the xenomorph? I love how they're like, "I saw that. I saw it. Did you say it's like? Yeah, I saw it. It was right there." And that's when you first hear that um, Aaron, who is the who is like Andrew's like right hand man, his nickname is 85. And he always is like, don't call me that. Don't. Call. But you don't know why yep. until a little bit later. Oh, I want to state two things, two things here. First off, uh, Clemens's story as to why he's there. I was actually expecting it to be much more tragic than it actually is. Obviously, it's something he's very embarrassed by, yeah. which he should be. Yes, I mean, I mean, a lot of remorse and stuff for that. But it's the scene after fucking the the 
fucking warden gets pulled up in, and there's that one dude underneath it, like, mopping, mopping up the, the blood. That's dark humor. <laughs> and Ripley describes the fact that this xenomorph is different than the others that she's dealt with. Like, the others were afraid of fire, and the thing was, is like, yeah, but I feel like there wasn't much. Has there been a lot of fire with this one yet? To know Which if this weird. one is afraid of fire? Which is weird, because that's, yeah, she mentions, she's like, what's works? I was like, the ones we dealt with were afraid of fire. Yeah. Like, that's... I don't know. That was weird. I don't know. Very weird. So Ripley and 85, I'm going to call them now, uh, plan a way that's to trap cool. the Xeno, and pretty much what they're going to do is there is, like, an old, like, bunker that they were going to store toxic waste or, like, nuclear waste in, and they never got the stuff to store in there, so it's just empty. So like, oh, we're gonna trap him in there, and um, like, isn't it like six feet of concrete or something yeah, stupid like, like that? It's, it's really thick. Or... So we're gonna, you know, we'll trap, we'll get a way to trap it in there. So Ripley, this is when you start seeing that Ripley's really not feeling great. She's like groaning in pain, holding her stomach, and you're like, <laughs> and to be honest, I think even the probably the first time that I ever saw this movie, I kind of figured out what was going on. Well, you also get it during the funeral scene. She gets a little bit of a nose. Right. Break. And she's kind of like groaning. She's like, mm. yeah, and she kind of cleans it off real quick before somebody notices. But Clemens yep. kind of thinks there's something up. But she doesn't know exactly what is going on. Uh, she she I think she primarily thinks it's because she was in cryosleep. Like it's like the yeah, after effects because like, oh, it's going <laughs> to take like a couple weeks, like a few weeks to kind of get over the full effect of the, the cryosleep. Yep. So the, the xenomorph ends up attacking one of the men uh, sitting and then it literally sets off all these chemicals that the guys set around the whole place. Like yeah, that, stuff that, were, that explosive they're yeah. mopping on the floor. <laughs> Did you see the scene where uh, 85 is is like, all right, so you don't set them off until I give the signal. And he's like, this is the signal. And he's like, flashlight. like, click, click. <laughs> yeah, that's the signal. Don't do it. I just love what they're like asking earlier. They were asking about like, do you have any flashlights? Yeah, we don't have any batteries. We got a thousand flashlights. But I have one that works. Yep. So yeah, so the Xeno attacks the, it was the guy, he was like climbing up a ladder and he had a flare in his mouth and he dropped the flare, which then he goes back down to try to get it. And then he goes back up to then get attacked by the Xenomorph, which then drops the flare setting off all of the barrels which this explosion scene goes on for so long it's just because there's so many there's like motherfuckers blowing up oh my god it is chaos it's just you think it's gonna end and it's just like no we got 70 more barrels (laughs) oh my god holy shit so the xeno makes its full appearance like you see it in like its full form um, I don't remember if this was the uh, where you see it like on the ceiling and it's really weird rod puppet that's, look. <laughs> that's the ne- that's mainly the next elaborate scheme to capture or kill it. So that's yeah, because Junior, who was the the potential rapist from earlier, he's the one who kind of sacrifices himself by running into the bunker to then trap the xenomorph. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anytime you see the xenomorph in the costume, it just looks so good. It does. looks very good. Very, very like good. you said, the shot earlier with the close-up with Ripley yeah. and the alien. Yep. It's really good. Anytime they, they got the rod puppets, yeah. that's when you're like, oh boy, that kind of takes you out. Yeah, a little bit. We then 
get a very slow-mo walks hallway walking scene. And I was like, why did they have to put this in slow motion? Yep. And then Dylan says a prayer for the rest of the men kind of paying tribute to everybody that died. Yes. 10 of them. Oh, by the way, there was total is 25 and then a couple of administrative. Yeah. Cause Andrews was a warden. He wasn't a prisoner. Aaron 85 is not. And I think Clemens technically wasn't. Yeah, even though he was there, because he was he was right. done. Right, he days. was done. He's just had the prisoner barcode, which Ripley asks about. Yes. So Ripley is told about her status uh, with Waylon Utani, and she's like, "Yeah, they don't want. They're not coming here to kill it. They're coming here to take it. Like they want to study it. They have more sin- sinister plans." And uh, and eighty five is just arguing. They're full on. Like no, no, they can't be doing that. They can't do that. They can't. It's like Jesus. So Gallic gets set free. Great job. And I think isn't he set free by the guy who survives to the end of this movie? Oh, by uh, yeah, um, yeah. What's his name? Morse. I I, I, maybe, I think I he's the one who it. sets him free. And I'm like, you're really gonna keep the guy who fucked everything up to the end of the movie. To survive this movie. Boy, that's not a good call. But yeah, he gets uh, he gets untied and then gets knocked and then Gallic knocks him out because he needs to go see the dragon. Uh, no, we didn't have this then. Yeah, he um he pretty much begs to get let go. He talks. He was like, oh, I gave you cigarettes. I always gave you cigarettes. And so he's like, all right, I'll untie you. But you can't go anywhere. And then he fucking gets like one of those like three stooges moments where he just gets knocked at, like hit once with a fucking trash can and gets knocked out. So Waylon, uh, so they, they sent like a message saying, Hey, we want to, you know, what's the status? Can we terminate the xenomorph? And Waylon Utani sends back a message saying, nah, no do that. We need that. So Gallic, we then go back to Gallic who is at, we didn't get that either. They just asked, they just asked uh, in the one we got it just asked about if I recall correctly it was just asking about the status of Ripley if Ripley's still alive and it's like please respond please respond please respond but whatever and never asked about the, the xenomorph I don't think I don't think I could no no, no. the the please respond immediately I think takes place a little bit later oh okay so Gallic yeah so Gallic goes to the bunker kills the guard and opens up the bunker because he wants to see the dragon and you get the scene where he goes into the bunker and you just see his eyes and then he gets uh, he gets killed off screen and then you get the really really bad raw puppet which uh i'll, I'll post the picture i took a picture of it when i walk <laughs> when i watched this with my wife i had to rewind the scene four times because there's literally a spot where it's the rod puppet alien running out of the bunker and it's just there's one point one shot where it's just a black blob there. There is no indication that it's a xenomorph. <laughs> it's just a black blob on my screen. And I'm like, oh, I get this. Okay. I got to see why this wasn't in the movie. I will state this in our movie. If, please tell me if I'm remembering this incorrectly. They do not capture the xenomorph in that bunker. It does. No, it does not get captured. That hence the reason we don't have this keep it alive comment for yeah. well, none of that happens. The whole thing just goes bad. The dude doesn't go in there to sacrifice himself. None of that should happen. It just escapes. <laughs> right? It's just, it just yeah, escapes. It's so different part of the ship. Yeah. During all the chaos when everything starts blowing up, just never they don't get it. 
so yeah and so at, of course they're alerted that Golic is gone the xenomorph is gone and so they go to investigate the whole area they see that Golic is not there anymore he's just in pieces and Ripley is like I gotta go over to the ship I gotta use the neuro scanner because there is something seriously there's something wrong is going on inside me I don't even know what happens to Golic now that I think about it, because like it's whole. This I whole thing's literally happening. in the theatrical version. He just disappears. Like there's just it's just you don't know. And I think this is yeah, because, because it's all on the cutting room floor. Yeah, because this this was the argument between eighty five and and uh, Ripley, and then I believe you know there's a little bit of something that happens, and it cuts to the her scan because she thinks during all the chaos she may have like broke a rib or ruptured yeah. something. She's really concerned about like what, what's going on inside of her. So yes, yeah, she goes to the neuroscanner and actually 85 helps her with it. And mm-hmm. you realize like 85 is not totally there. Well, he's, he's there, but like, he's not as inte- he's not very intelligent. He has a hard time figuring things out, but he helps her use the neuroscanner to the point where he is like, yeah, there's one of those things inside of you. And she's like, what? All right. You yeah. need to take a picture of that thing. Cause I need to see it. And yep, clear as day, it's a freaking little baby Zeno. But it's not a regular Xenomorph. No, which we'll, yeah, we'll find out in a little bit what exactly it is. So Dylan makes a plan and he kind of has like a little, like they all argue about things. Like they're just, they're kind of over the whole situation. Like people are dying. Like it all started when she showed up, blah, blah, blah. And he's, and then one guy's like, let's go to the furnace. That's a great idea. Let's go down to the furnace. And they're like, good job. So this one, 85 refuses to let Ripley send a message to yeah. have the rescue team turn back because she was just going to send a message pretty much stating like there's a toxic um, gas throughout the entire prison. Don't come. And he's like, nah, I have a wife and kid. I want to go home. I don't give a shit about what's inside of you. They can take it out. Like, uh, I want to go home. So he completely refuses to send the message. Ripley is like, well, I'm going to go after it because it won't kill me because I'm carrying its queen. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. The new queen is growing inside Ripley. So Waylon and Waylon knows. Well, yeah, because they know everything in that pod. Yep. Well, the reason this gets brought up is because I like I was research, researching this a little bit. Is this is a different kind of face hugger? Because normally when they attach, they lay an egg and die. This is a royal face hugger, which what it does is it attaches to somebody, lays the queen embryo first, and then lays a guard xenomorph to protect the host. Which is why the runner, which is the name of the xenomorph yep. in this movie, is born more mature and it breeds quicker because it's just designed to protect the queen embryo. That's it. And that face hugger was huge. If you, yeah, if you got any shots of it, I have seen the clip. It's fucking massive. Like when it, I don't know if it was a shot where it was like in the ship, like it's kind of like perched up and this is, I, it wasn't in my version, but it was like the, it sees the dog and the dog sees it. Okay. It's kind of like, in, it's kind of like there. In the okay, in in the cut we have, it looks like a regular face hugger. But the one in the cut you have seen, it is different. It is larger. They this all this information for the uh, real face hugger is taken from your version, which is mm. why I can lay eggs twice. So the thing is, I don't remember that. I don't think they explain it though in the movie. 
They don't. You just kind of have to you either. Yeah, you got to look it up, figure it out. Yeah, I had to research it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Ripley goes in search of it because she's got the queen inside. It's not going to kill her. Wheeling Utani knows that she has the the queen. Well, she they she, they know that there is a xenomorph inside of her because the scanner gets sent, like the information from the scanner gets sent to them. Uh, Ripley tells Dylan everything that's going on, and pretty much it's like you need to kill me. So you get the scene where she kind of like perches herself up against the bars of like a jail cell, and he's got the axe, and you think he's going to kill her, but he ends up like not killing her. And he's like, no, we need you in order to kill this thing. We need you to be alive and then you can do whatever the hell you want. I'll kill you. <laughs> if you still need me to kill you, I'll do it. Which I, th- I thought was interesting. The whole angle. I kind of don't like a little bit of. Of uh, Sigourney Weaver's character swap in this where she's like, they know they have they, they don't know if there's any more eggs, but they know a queen lays the eggs, right? Mm hmm. They know she has one in her, and they know of one for sure, but she's willing to sacrifice all of these fucking people just because she has it inside of her. She's like, no, fuck it. Let them all die. So my question is... He's very quick to sign everybody off. This is, a, this is a side tangent here, I guess. So the, the queen from Aliens laid this royal face hugger, correct? Yeah. I'm a, yes. Before it gets sent out into space. Yes. Was this like a is this like a defense mechanism where it knows it's going to die so it just lays it before it gets killed? If it can well it, it was here's the thing though. Like we watched in the last movie it removes its ovipositor, like it removes its assuming this is how this works. But they are a genetic weapon, so hmm. fucking shits to the wind. You can't use the standard like evolution for this kind of thing. My thought is when it was hiding inside the gear of that other ship that was on the plane, they took up to get to the was it the Sulaco? Yep. My assume, assumption it was while it was in there, and they just didn't realize they had an egg on board. And maybe it has mm. the ability to regenerate that part of its body and start laying again. It's like, all right, I'm just going to lay an egg here because they're all about propagating their species. So if, if they right. figure, fuck it, if, you know, might as well. So I don't know. That, that's the only reason I can think of. So there's a lot of talking, and you get a rah rah scene where they're trying to come up with a plan to kill the xenomorph. They're like all like in this weird cavern thing going on and mm-hmm. talking about what to do and this is where you get the thing where they're all in like the hallways and they're just traveling through all the different hallways trying to I guess coerce the the xenomorph into a place where there's like a piston yeah it's like where the doors are shutting right yeah where they're like running around shutting the doors and stuff. Yeah. it's pretty chaotic scene. so it takes out one of them and this is where you you get get the one in the ceiling. Yeah. You get the ceiling chase, but then it turns into like first person, which I'm like, Oh, please, please stay with the first person. Oh my Lord. And, uh, yeah, it takes out more of the men. Uh, this is where you, this is where Pete or, um, where, uh, Roland dies. Lost world. Roland. Roland. He like sneaks around him and just, he's had enough time in the company of death. Yep. (laughs) Waylon Utani has arrived and the xenomorph arrives but escapes before the piston can be activated and they're like no we gotta get it back in here get it back in here there's one thing I want to point out in the scene while they're trying to it's, it's, isn't that piston they're trying to like push him into something or smash it right so they're During trying the to push him they're trying to push him into the chamber so they can drop the lead on him 
Okay, so this is the scene I talked about. It's my favorite kill in this whole fucking movie. It's where the one dude's like sprinting, and he's like, I'm almost to the piston, it's right behind me, and it just grabs his fucking head, like, right before, and like, mid-run, and it has to, like, hit it with its mouth just as, because the shot is of the outside of the door, and the dude <laughs> just hits, his legs swing up, and yep, his face just hits the top part just of that blood, fucking door. Just it just shit everywhere. I was like, oh, oh it was the best kill in the fucking Oh, my movie. God, what like, the and his legs go up like rubber. And just oh dude, it's oh, so it's fucking insane. Good. So it's great. the xenomorph. Yeah, so the so Ripley corners the xenomorph, which leads it into the piston and then gets it enough where it uh follows them because it's 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 luring it into this little like place, this little like a, cavern that is like where they're yeah, where they're gonna drop the lead. Yeah, because she grabs its tail and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah! I'm like, damn, <laughs> she is fucking, she's not giving no shits. Somebody's wearing their ovaries on the outside today. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, t- <laughs> Jesus. I just go with you. She's awesome. I'm not making fun of her. She's a fucking great character. Yes, she is. So, Dylan sacrifices himself to keep the xenomorph down there because the xenomorph starts climbing the side as they're climbing up, and then he's like, and nah, 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 I gotta keep him down here, so he decides to stay down there to keep the Xenomorph down there. I hate that, because honestly, outside of Clemens, he was my favorite Dylan, character. Dylan was a great character. That would have been great to have him survive at the end. Oh, and Lance Hendrickson, I like him. Oh, also, you find out, also, Dylan, at, uh, while they're doing the whole setup of this whole plan, Dylan tells Ripley that 85 or the uh, Aaron's nickname is 85 because that's his IQ. Yeah. Pretty unceremonious, but it's pretty funny. Yeah. Like, huh? Uh, okay. Funny nickname. And because of the amount of times that he says, don't call me that. So the xenomorph and Dylan get a nice lead shower. Yeah, dude. He's like, he's like, is that all you got? Like, he's like, that must've been the inspiration for the whole Buster Rhymes Hollywood. Or Hollywood <laughs> oh no. <thing>. Oh no. <laughs> Hey, next week we're going to talk about a movie that has resurrection in the name, just not that one. <laughs> not naming your movies anything resurrection because it won't end good. <laughs> so the xenomorph survives. Covered in molten lead. Covered in molten lead. And is like, well, what do we do? And she's like, and it's Morse. Morse is the one who survived. And he is at like the control panel. And he's like, he's like, go up to the sprinklers. Set off the sprinkler so she climbs up and turns the sprinklers on, which then lands on the xenomorph, which causes it to crack. Did you get the really bad cracking effect? Yeah, I got a little bit of that. Hey. A little bit of that. And um, yeah, and then it explodes. So they alluded to this earlier in the movie for people who don't didn't quite catch um, because it's when the whole thing caught on fire but earlier when they were setting the trap for the alien and it didn't. Yeah. Well, they, they caught him in your version. But when they start turning the sprinklers on and that one barrel, that one bucket gets wet and it just breaks ah. because, of, you know, obviously the drastic thermal change, you know, you have right. it in molten lead. I don't know how it survived this, but molten lead and then you make it wet or cool and it's just and just. Yeah. So I don't know if that's actually how that would work on an organic creature, though they do have their exoskeleton on the outside. So it's a little bit different, but because they're I, just I space they going for. Yeah, I get what they were going for, though. So yeah, it explodes. We then see Waylon Utani come in, and we realize, oh my God, it's Lance Hendrickson. What are you doing here? And Ripley automatically assumes it's Bishop. 
why the fuck would you think this is Bishop? When Bishop, you literally saw Bishop's mangled body not that long ago. But no, you find out this is Bishop's designer. Yeah. He was the one who decided. Is, is he Wayland or Utani? You never know. He's never, you're never told his name. So she, yeah, he pretty much is like, I'm here to help. We're going to kill it. We want you. We're going to take out the, the alien inside you. It's going to be really quick and painless. This is going to be okay. And she's like, you're full of shit. And so she's like, I'm going to go sacrifice myself. 85 gets shot up because he fucking smokes Lance Hendrickson in the head. I don't understand why. <laughs> like, I get like he's bad or whatever. But why? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you see his ear after? It's like fucking yeah, hanging like, there. Oh, my God. So. This is after he gets hit, though, and he knows that Ripley is going to end up offing herself. He that's where you see his true colors and what he the real plans are. He's like, yeah, we did what we need you. We need that. We want to do more research on on what's inside you, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I fucking knew it. I'm not an idiot. I've been dealing with these stupid people for 60 something years since I was in 50 set. I was in a cryo sleep for 57 of them. So, yeah, we get Ripley going over the like pit of fire. It's like molten, some molten metal. Probably molten lead since they just poured a shit ton of it over the fucking xenomorph. True. And she, yeah, she falls in. In my version, the xenomorph never comes out. In our version, it does. Yeah, it pops my, out. In in my version, she just falls back and then disappears. In your version, she falls and then as she's about to hit, the alien bursts out and she grabs onto it to then fall. Like, I'm hugging you. It's like, no, oh, fucking stop. It's like when you hug a cat, it doesn't yeah. want to be. It's like, ah. So I think the reason your version exists was because the version that was in mine was their original idea, but because Terminator 2 had come out the year before and the end scene was very similar, they didn't want it to match. So they added the whole queen xenomorph bursting out of her chest and her making sure it dies. Which, to be honest, I like that version better. I like the fact of it. Like, no, I feel like and people are like, well, it would it would literally burst out of her at that moment. I'm like, I feel like it knows it's about to die, so it's trying to escape self preservation. Yeah, because. before before she dies. So I I like that. I don't. I didn't like the just. Oh, she's gone. Bye, Ripley. Well, we okay. <laughs> well, we we talked about the the. We had a little biology talk here when we were talking about when the xenomorph sees uh, gets next to Ripley's face the first, you know, the first time. And, uh, like we were talking about how they sense each other. And like, is it, is it's not probably an odor, but could it be like a pheromone or something that's excreted through her body? Is mm. it the, is it the electromagnetic pulse thing? Like sharks? You know, I don't know. We were just kind of BSing about that. Cause we don't uh, know how, maybe. how they see. So how could, how did it know? How could they know? How could they know? So the movie ends with Morris being transported out of the prison. Yep. The prison is shut down fully because there's no one left. And the last thing you hear is the is Ripley's last transmission from the end of Alien. Yep. And that's it. I actually I actually like that. Signing off. I thought it was, I mean it's a little hokey, but I, I mean I, I liked it. I like it. I thought it fit. Yep. Uh I mean I felt this was a fair conclusion. I mean I could have been better. Yeah. But I, I felt this was a fair conclusion to a trilogy of films. Yes, I think it should have ended here. I think this is a like eh, as this movie is very mixed. Mm -hmm. 
but I feel this was a a coherent at least for me I the assembly cut was a cohesive telling of the story which made it a cohesive end to the trilogy and then boy oh boy do we get alien resurrection which will be our episode next week well she's not seen that so i'm curious how that's gonna go for before we get to all that fun stuff let's read the comments that you all left about this movie i have a closing comment after all this okay just remind me again so our first comment is from Forgiven John 316 who says I'll never oh, forget God. the dog xenomorph in this one and it's yes. yeah it's it's very iconic. Our next comment is from Two Idiots and a Dog. This doesn't deserve the hate it gets. It's flawed sure, but it's a strong closure to the Alien series. I think 3 deserves to exist, but it should have ended there. I uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I think this I think this this uh this movie is uh, very unfairly hated more than it should be. But I understand why people don't like it going from Aliens to Alien 3, how they kind of shit on like a lot of yeah. the stuff that happened in that movie. Absolutely. Our next comment is from Seismic Cinema. It said, after Aliens, this felt a bit of a letdown, and having Hicks and Newt die off screen, I felt a little bit cheated. Haven't seen it in years, but I remember not enjoying it that much. Maybe on a rewatch now, it might hold up better, but I doubt it. I say give it a give it a go. I say give the the assembly cut a, a, a go because, like I said, I think a lot of people. I mean, the assembly cut's been out technically for twenty years now, so you might have seen it. But like, if you've only seen the theatrical cut, give the give the assembly cut a, a, a try because it, it definitely feels like everything flows. And I I will say that I've not seen the assembly cut. I've only seen this version, and I felt the story. It made sense to me. Like, but yeah. again, but hey. again, I do, I, I do agree though. But the that it's not fair to those characters that went through all that shit in the last movie just to be like offed in like the most unceremonious fashion ever. I was like, that's so fucking lame. Mm. Our next comment is from Fiori. Honestly, this movie doesn't feel real to me in a way to enjoy it, and with all the behind the scenes stuff that happened going with different scripts. And stories, I think they should have continued it with Hicks and Newt would have made more sense. I agree. I would have loved to see an Alien 3 with that story of like, I think it was more the fact that they had a, a, I think a solid, the most solid story was the fact that Hicks was the main character of Alien 3, where he realizes Waylon Newtani is creating this xenomorph army. Well, not really army, but they're, they're creating these things. And Ripley wasn't going to be a focal point. And I, that's what the studios were like. Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't get rid of our uh, like the mainstay of this franchise. And this one, that's why we got this one. But they I agree. Even Don't like, why you got to kill Hicks and Newt? God damn. They- Especially, dude, let, let, even if you don't have Newt in the movie, because, you know, her actress grew up, just at least l- give her a good send off. Like, let her like, hey, you know, they got back. They found a family for her relatives or a place she could stay. And she's living her life. Yeah. And just have it be Hicks and, you know, and uh, Ripley. Our next comment is from Thief CGT on Twitter. It says, I think it, go, it does offer a nice thematic closure to the franchise. Unfortunately, it fell victim to studio meddling that didn't follow uh, Fincher's full vision to come, come through. At least the assembly cut restores some of the narrative flow that was chopped up on the theatrical. Also, the fact that, like, I just feel bad for Fincher because he was brought in so late 
and given such a such a responsibility on his first movie. And you know how studios go when they have an established franchise. You know, when you have, you know, Ridley Scott, I don't think was like huge back when he made Alien, but like that, he was part of that team that helped bring Alien to life uh, along with Dan O'Bannon. Aliens, that's James Cameron's vehicle. And and James Cameron, of course, had the established uh, work of the Terminator and also writing for, you know, like we talked about Rambo 2. And so they had like they had things on him. Fincher didn't have much other than he did music videos. So. Of course, the studio is going to interfere a lot because they're like, we have to make sure this works. And this guy might not know what he's doing. And it's like, that's unfortunate. But, you know, that's why we got the, the assembly cut. Our next one is from Perpetual Cinema. It said, though not without issues, it is overhated and underappreciated in how much more it wants you to think than anything else. Great surprises and a satisfying ending, though. The tone of the fourth film makes me okay with this not being the end. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, our next one is our good friend Darren from Nostalgia Cast. He said, I like it. It's cold, cruel, and closer in tone to the original, which I prefer, which Dan did state earlier in the episode. Uh, Hicks, Hicks and Newt dying never bothered me as it suits the movie's nihilism and lets us know it's different from the first two. God damn, you and Dan are so alike. Also, Alien <laughs> equals impregnation. Aliens equals motherhood. Alien 3 equals birth. It does. You're not wrong. It keeps that whole thing. Which then Alien 4 means resurrection. Whoa! You know? it. <laughs> oh, and our last one is from uh, at P Naps. Just said it should have stopped with two. <laughs> thank enough. you, thank you. Thank you all for the wonderful comments. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. So, awesome. So the last couple of weeks we've just been we've been getting a lot of comments, which is is been really exciting. I love this this part of the show. But as we stated before, next week we will be talking about the fourth film, the final. I will say the final film of the quadrilogy of the Sigourney Weaver quadrilogy. Because uh, this would be the end of the road for her uh, with this franchise as we talk about 1997's Alien Resurrection. Dan, what was your what did you want to say? Oh, um, I was just this is just an off the wall thing because we we're talking about it in the first two movies. So I was thinking where the Metroid franchise is very heavily inspired by the Alien franchise, uh, obviously. But um I think it's, I, I was just sitting here thinking that in the original game, not important, you fight all the enemies, and in the last stage, you go on a part of a, it's a different part of the world, it's almost, and you fight, this is like a ship, and you fight the Metroids, and your final boss is Mother Brain, which made me think of Mother, mm -hmm. the computer, from the first one, and the second Metroid, released on the Game Boy, your final, you go to the home planet of the Metroids, which is SR-388, not LV, whatever it is. 426. You, 426, there you go. Which is ironic, they're the same amount, two letters, three numbers. And uh, you fight the Queen Metroid, which lays the eggs. Wow. It's like, the, it's like Metroid was influenced by Alien. What? Very heavily. Very heavily. <laughs> I just, I, I'm surprised it just didn't dawn on me, like, oh shit, like I've played this franchise it's forever. Like, it just didn't click for me. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. Oh, boy. 
well, we haven't even made a dent in this franchise because we have a lot more movies to talk about here. But With we're also going to be. Oh, yes. Yes, we, we will. I will. There will be a poll going up about whether or not we should add a Alien versus Predator and Alien versus Predator Requiem to our alien um, coverage. So, hey, two more weeks of talking more about alien stuff. Sure. Why not? So oh, with that, that poll will be on Twitter and uh, we'll probably put it up for a few days and that'll be the determination whether or not we we add those two movies. Don't let me sway your opinion, but the correct answer is to say yes. <laughs> I won't complain because I, I won't either. personally enjoyed Alien vs. Predator. I think I've only seen Requiem once and I don't remember liking it because the fact it's so fucking dark. I remember enjoying... See, I wasn't a big fan of AVP, but I enjoyed Alien vs. Predator Requiem. So we'll see. Maybe we'll be able to actually see the movie on Blu-ray. Oh! <gasps> Like turn up the brightness. You know what's funny is that my TV keeps advertising for Alien vs Predator Requiem on like the free Vizio like free movies app. It just keeps popping. I'm like, you sons of bitches, you know, you know. (laughs) Oh man. Well, that's about it for this episode. Everybody, hope you all enjoyed. Uh, Oh, uh, speaking. Actually, you were talking about the whole Metroid thing about the second game going to the alien to the Metroid planet. Uh, one of the, one of the scripts for alien three was them going to the xenomorph planet. Oh, really? Like yeah. the original, like where it originated yeah. from? Yeah. Well, see that I don't know one of the scripts they're originally supposed to use an alien that they essentially used the idea for in covenant. Like it was like a spore or something in the air and it got, by then that's how the alien formed in your body instead of, uh, laying eggs inside hmm. of you. So obviously the concept later was used for Covenant yeah. in some way, shape, or form. So, Oh, also, one more thing. I do want to shout out somebody who has covered this movie. It has four videos on their YouTube channel right now covering the... Did an episode on the theatrical cut, did an episode on the assembly cut, I think did an episode on the... One of the cuts of, like, uh, one of the cut. There's four Alien 3 videos over at Hack the Movies which as I yeah. said, I'm wearing his shirt right now and we're going to get him on the show. We actually, I tried to persuade him to come on this episode, but he said, I've talked about this movie too much. I got to give it a break. So get him on Alien I, told, I said, I said, we're going to bring you out again. No, I think he's putting out a, he's putting out an episode for resurrection. Probably, it'll probably release when our resurrection episode it comes oh, because that's just how it goes. No, We no. always seem to release the episodes of the same movie with, with other great podcasts, but you know what? Got to share the love, you know? But yeah, as we said, next week, Alien Resurrection. I'm excited. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Uh, make sure you check out last week's episode. We sat down with Gerald from Two Peas on a Pod to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Did we like it? I don't know. We're recording these episodes. So, oh, no. <laughs> I just I just ruined the Matrix there. They're like, oh, this is out of order. Whoa. All right, everybody. I got nothing else to say. Just make sure to follow us on our uh, all of our socials at Dissect That Film. Uh, you already, if you're listening to us right now, I don't need to tell you where to listen to us, but make sure to leave us a review and leave us five stars because they're great and we love you for doing that. Also, make sure to follow Dan and Angela and all their socials down below. Make sure to follow follow them on their Twitch channel because they stream. Make sure to not follow me on my Twitch channel because I don't stream. But um. Yeah, we're going to be doing a live show at the end of January. Actually, fuck. Is this what? 
Never mind. I'm cutting that out because I don't know when this episode is going to be out in January. It, it, it won't be out that's, in January. That's not going to be in the episode. Um, but thank you, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you all again next time. I am Brett Parker. That is Dan and Angela of DNA Gaming. This has been the Dissect That Film podcast, episode 91. We'll see you all again next time. Goodbye.